0: welcome to our first episode of firing on all syllables we'll be aiming to provide invaluable tips and lessons on matters related to business technology language social responsibility and we'll hear from some of the world's most influential leaders uh, the podcast will be hosted by gary Kalatsi, our ceo of alexa translations but for today's episode i will be the host uh, so yours truly my name is mark Beccarelli and I head up the marketing at Alexa Translations. Uh, Gary, I'm super excited to uh, chat to you today and to learn a bit more about you. uh, What is this podcast all about? Why does the world need another podcast and all of those fun questions? So we'll dive into that uh, and more. But uh, why don't you start off by telling us just who is Gary Colazzi?
1: Well, it's a big question and uh, hard to be very concise with it as well. But I'll try to give a shorter, a short answer to the, to the extent I can. Uh, I'm a lawyer by trade and have been in the translations industry for for over two decades, which sounds like a long time to talk about it. Uh, I am an immigrant to Canada from Eastern Europe, uh, Albania specifically. Uh, really. Uh, and with some passions for history, anthropology, cultures, which ties in uh, nicely to, to uh, the translation industry and everything that we do. And needless to say, uh, tying the cultures to the and languages to the to the legal industry, which has been really what we've spent a lot of our time as an as an organization, but also personally. Um, and what really drove uh, even bringing this podcast together is. Look, there's all these leaders that we have a privilege of chatting with all the time, different areas of expertise, um, really thoughtful leadership in their uh, respective organizations or industries, and we thought what better way than to try to bring them all together concisely, and get some of their thoughts so that everyone can can learn from them.
0: That's excellent. That's excellent, and we will dive into uh, a number of those items even further, but. Uh... And it's no easy uh, answer always, you know, who is, <laughs> who is anybody, who is Gary Claus? So, um, so you mentioned uh, from Europe, uh, where were you born specifically? Uh, I'm wondering kind of maybe if you could give us even a bit of, a lot of people do know you, but, uh, you know, what kind of kid were you? You know, I kind of want to get the, the backstory a little bit of, of who you were uh, to become who you are today.
1: Uh, so i was born in albania moved to canada in 2000 and the the interesting part even as a kid to your question you know the it, what kind of kid were you i was a social kid which probably doesn't come across as a huge surprise to a lot of people that know me In fact, my parents uh, tell a story of me being a two-year-old and them taking me to the beach. They said, oh, we knew all the people around us because you would go to every umbrella on the beach and make friends with everyone there. So as a result, we got to meet everybody as part of the process. Uh, So social, largely well-behaved. And I say largely because, you know, just like any other kid, there were the occasional episodes where I wasn't as well-behaved. Uh, but the, the curiosity for languages and wanting to learn about people was uh, started early on. So even learning other languages started pretty early on in the process. Um, and as as uh, growing up, I was sort of relentlessly curious about uh, everything happening, uh, whether it was, you know, what's happening in this other countries, what's happening in these other cultures. And that really translated well uh, as as life went on. That's
0: great. That's great. And that- it completely makes sense, uh, especially if we if people do know you. Uh, I think that is a pretty uh, accurate picture. So, uh, so not too much change, I suppose, from uh, uh, your younger days till now. But uh, um, maybe just uh, another question that I had: uh, Maybe as you were growing up, what kind of influences did you have, either from authors or you know, it could be TV? What helped to shape you? Uh, as well as you were growing up.
1: Yeah, so growing up in a communist country, TV was not a huge influence, partially because you had very limited TV options, <laughs> which, you know, can be good in many other ways. Uh, and and I probably started getting uh, good exposure to channels with cartoons and sort of engaging television uh, shows after grade five, six, let's say. But up until then, it was relatively limited. Um, so as a result, it was a, a lot of reading. So books were 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 the good friends, and I remember actually being on this race with the library cards to get as many stamps for each book that you were getting from the uh, from the library. And uh, interesting, a uh, couple of interesting concepts. Uh, so starting with some of the uh, some of the Greek mythology books from the Iliad and the Odyssey. So you look at them differently as a child, but obviously you're visualizing a lot. And it's interesting how much books help with visualization because you have to visualize right like they're describing it and then you're saying uh, you know what is what is happening here all the way to my, my father was a big influence in in uh the typo readings that i did so uh his his repertoire was actually quite broad uh, a lot of the european influencers as you can imagine from voltaire to goethe to uh, tolstoy and even uh, books like uh with them uh, America's Native American stories, uh, one called Osceola, Prince of the Seminoles, about today's Florida and the evolution of how uh, how Western civilizations uh, affected the, the Aboriginal communities that were here earlier. So imagine now being in a communist country in Albania and you're trying to visualize this and uh, it's a narrative uh, where, where you're really learning from the perspective of somebody being from that community, from the Aboriginal communities, uh, Native communities in in the U.S. saying, you know, here's what this, what this area was like, beautiful Florida, etc., and then to, to here's where we are today. (laughs) So uh, it was, uh, but as a child, that that was really something that opens a lot of horizons and makes you think in different ways and put yourself in the shoes of others a lot. And when you're reading a lot of the European literature, and the, all the thinking that happens around it, you learn, you know, and different writers obviously bring in different things to the table, but anything from human suffering to war, what war can do to the beauties of art and, and how people could live in Western Europe. And again, you're imagining all of this because you you couldn't travel out of the country at that point in time. So.
0: That's wonderful. I mean, it's uh, I mean, it's not wonderful that necessarily you can, couldn't travel, but wonderful that, you know, books really do. Uh, provide that opportunity for imagination, as you mentioned. And then further, you can kind of travel through the books through that imagination. So that's, that's incredible. What about, uh, I mean, those are the, you know, the, the the books that maybe inspired you, what about the people in your life, uh, either growing up or today, but, you know, who inspired you, who pushed you to go further to, uh, you know, maybe somebody you aspired to be like, or just, you know, gave you a spark to kind of, uh, you know, maybe open a new door or something to, to that effect.
1: No, and, and it's really, and there's been a lot of good people along the way. So it's it's something, uh, I've had a lot of good role models and I've been very fortunate to have had good access to mentors as well along the way. But starting as a kid, uh, par- the parents were a big influence. They both came from, uh, essentially uh, blue-collar families, they they were the first ones in their families to make it to higher education, which made a huge uh, difference, uh, especially when... uh Again, the communist regime. Not all kids from the family could go to higher education because there was only limited spots. That typically, you could only really send one or two kids at the most to go and do higher education. Um, so it that limit those limits to opportunity really made them appreciate and really work hard for what they had. And the, my parents really helped instill that in me, saying, "Look, like the." know this could be throughout life and sometimes you can't predict the circumstance you're put in you're put in but what you can do is really manage how how you conduct yourself and what you do with it so seeing the limited opportunities with them uh, really made me think differently and i remember my dad saying Listen, like you know, Arabian is great, but if you're gonna get a job later on, you're gonna need to learn other languages because you know, in an international marketplace, you can't really do well. So you better start learning other languages. And I'm like, but Dad, I'm eight. <laughs> so, you know, it's uh, so. This was a conversation where where he started putting things to perspective and and uh, to, to think this in a certain way, and and it was interesting because that's how then I got into. Uh, uh, taking Greek classes, which was being... I was born uh, in a part of Albania that's right by the Greek border. So naturally, there was the affinity to actually uh, learn Greek, etc. As you can imagine, different alphabet uh, and uh, relatively different language. But what happened, uh, I took Greek for a year, and then the summer afterwards, I was able to go to Thessaloniki in Greece for, for a couple of weeks on a summer vacation. And then you start seeing, putting things into perspective, saying, this is... Uh, I see how this works now. I can actually use what I learned and, and communicate with people that I otherwise would have had a hard time communicating with. So that was uh, the proof was in the pudding at that point, And I was hooked uh, from there on. I I couldn't give uh, languages. Uh, I couldn't move away from languages. Uh, so that was sort of a good push to to where, where it came from um, then. Uh, growing, I started studying other languages uh, again uh, there was Albania was r- close to Italy, the other side was Italy, so I learned some Italian early on, a lot of Italian television channels and, and English at the same time. So these were sort of the first few languages, but that opened a lot of horizons as a result. And then you grow up uh, as, as you grow up a bit more, and I say grow up as in like, you know, grade seven, grade eight, and you're like, oh, well, I can learn more languages now, because clearly it's not that bad. Uh, so that, the, and this wasn't unique to me, uh, just for there were a lot of people in, in Albania and probably throughout Eastern Europe that did learn a lot of languages uh, and it did open a lot of horizons for them. And to to this day, the ones that do have continue to have the best employment prospects are the ones that were multilingual and were able to use that to, to their advantage. Um, but I'll forward, fast forward a bit more to to one last role model that is sort of more globally known and and than some of the immediate ones that I've had from university and and uh, to this day uh, to our current date. But somebody that I also always looked at uh, with the. With a level of, of uh, respect that was unprecedented, and and that I had an overlap with his lifetime was Nelson Mandela, and and I'll give you, I'll tell you why. Um, some of some of the audience and some of the listeners will know I did a project in South Africa. I went twelve years in a row, and it was in a community outside of Cape Town called Kailicha, which is uh, a township that uh, I, I particularly. Uh, enjoyed doing this work with, it was largely with high school students, really education empowerment based and uh, entrepreneurship. So working with a lot of the kids in the high school and some of the local community on entrepreneurial activities. Throughout this time, I really got to learn a lot more about South Africa, which gave me context. And then everyone knew of Nelson Mandela and, and what he did for, for South Africa. But to put into perspective, here's the country, here's the end result, here's how things evolved. understanding the history of it. And then what he did was particularly impressive. So things and parallels that I drew, uh, he learned Afrikaans very well, which at the time, if you think about it, was the language of the oppressor. Um, and the, he, he was uh, a law student that used a lot of his knowledge um, when it came to, just before the transition 94, he was very open-minded, despite what he had been through, said, look, this isn't a time for vengeance. This isn't the time to say, time to avenge what has happened to us. It's really time to reconcile and move things along. It's not about personal vendettas, but rather for the greater picture. And I think that's important, uh, The making sure that we see the bigger picture and not get lost in, in some of the, the details uh, and... You know, being a CEO of a company, you better see the bigger picture, otherwise, (laughs) you actually really run into issues. And that was something, particularly, that uh, and many, many other uh, learnings from him, but a very sophisticated individual from the way he spoke to the way he engaged with people uh, to really understanding the human nature and understanding human nature and the level, the high level of EQ, etc., and learning how to actually be more understanding of human nature was a really good takeaway from, from his leadership. That's wonderful.
0: That's uh, I mean, all amazing sources of inspiration, especially even from, you know, your parents, I think that's, uh, that whole thread line uh, or that whole thread through your life, I think makes a lot of sense. Uh, Again, for people that, that, that know you, uh, I can personally attest that, uh, you know, a lot of those, uh, elements that you picked up that you embody, uh, I can see them every day. And I know that you, (laughs) one other thing I I can, I can attest to is that, you know, the hard work, uh, element is there, which again, might sound obvious. It's required if you're going to grow a company as we have, but, uh, a lot of people either who are in the same spot or who are growing their company today uh, might be, you know, wondering how do I get this drive? You know, uh, I know I've, I get emails from you. I know we can work around the clock <laughs> sometimes. So what drives you? What what makes you push so hard to uh, to build and grow, not only the business, but uh, yourself? Like, what drives you?
1: So, you know, I gave a bit of the historical background as to uh, being here today, coming from limited opportunity then really appreciating when you have it and to always think back and, and, and not forget that, this is not something to take for granted, and also something that really makes you appreciate how great a country Canada is, and, and a lot of the, a lot of uh, the society that we live in, and, and uh, you know in, in uh, at any given day we can complain about uh, certain circumstances something happening etc but in the great scheme of things it's it's uh, I think it's the best country in the world but the you know I think people would agree that whether they may not think it's the best it's certainly one of the best countries so as a result you have to think look I am given uh, sort of the gift and the opportunity to be in one of the best circumstances make the most of it because there are a lot of people out there that would that struggle to, to really be here and you can appreciate how many people would want to come to Canada if, if they could and a lot of people are consistently trying to come to Canada as a result so that's a big part of it uh, sort of not forgetting where you came from and the ability to have this opportunity and this is something that goes well beyond immigrating to Canada even for Canadians that have been here for decades, the opportunities are now far better than they used to be at a certain point in time. So thinking that way and then really making the most of it is, is, uh, is a big part of it. The second part really is uh, at an individual level. And this is where I always thought if you're going to do something, you really need to be dedicated to it. Otherwise, you know, you can make a living doing a lot of things. But if you really want to shine at something, you have to do better. Uh, you have to move uh, in creative ways faster than the competition. Otherwise, you're just going to be one of the one of the competitors. So that means you have to you have to put in the, the time and the hard work, etc. And I'm not taking away from the balance that is needed in life. And there is a time for needing to relax and to unwind, etc. But it's also about when you are working to really be pushing to and and really getting their productivity up and knowing that the team that is t- looking at you for leadership you can ask them to to work hard if you yourself are going to be like well you know I did it I did my uh, time for today it's <laughs> it's on you guys now so if if you're expecting them and God knows our team at Alexa works really hard to some of the deliverables that are often going past midnight with with uh, for anybody that is uh, any of our audience that are in the security space, they'll know exactly what it takes to be in those circumstances. All the way to the to our programmers that are often working around the clock to meet our deliverables. If you don't lead by example, then they're not going to buy into the, the the vision that we have. Um, and one of the areas that we really push at Alexa is this relentless, dedicated quality, and and also this dedicated client service that is. To, to the point where we take it to the extreme. And that is part of the value add to our client base. We want to make sure that, it, that they are seeing us as the client service that they're really happy with. And it has to start with me. Uh, Al Varney, one of my mentors and uh, uh, former CEO of Xerox Canada always says the organizations take the shape of their leaders. And I really take that to heart because if I want the, the team to really, uh, to really follow what I'm saying. I have to do what I do and practice what I preach. Otherwise, uh, you're not going to get the results you, you want.
0: Yeah, 100%. Completely agree. And I think uh, that's probably a good segue into, uh, you know, I think as we understand you a bit more, I think maybe, we, you know, we're, we're alluding to Alexa Translations as the company. Um, maybe we can start to just divulge or, or start to dive into a little bit about Alexa Translations. So... We'll start high level and then we'll kind of we'll kind of uh, deep dive a little bit. So, what is Alexa Translations? Another another big question.
1: <laughs> well, the, the uh, in 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 the most simplistic way, it's a translation organization, as the name indicates, but also with two large divisions: one focusing on professional translation and one on the technology around translation, AI, machine translation technology. Um, And as uh, the evolution has happened over the years, both are large divisions with with, uh, exciting things that are happening on on both ends. And um, I was talking earlier about our commitment to service and quality. We actually have it as one of our core values, fanatical uh, commitment to service and quality. Each one embodies that in their own ways where they're really driving uh, on the professional services side, how do I get you the quality with the timeline you need? And on the technology side is, How do I consistently make this better so that it emulates exactly what you're looking for and it adapts to you as an organization? And what can our tech team do to really understand what our clients need and deliver?
0: That's great. And so where did the, this is kind of something, I know we shot a separate video for this, but maybe you can tell our listeners here where the name originated from, Alexa.
1: When I first started in the translations industry, I was not very creative. Uh, the early self-proprietorship, I just called it Kalatsi Translations after my last name. And Kalatsi Translations was fine, but certainly not the organization that was going to become the global entity that we are today. Uh, and it, it felt a bit self-centered to actually have it based on my last name as, as we grew past a certain stage. So we wanted something that embodied more about what we were doing and what our focus was. Um, as you know, with our focus in the legal financial industry, we wanted uh, something that had referred to lexicon. We want also, being in the language industry, uh, lexicon, like something that referred to vocabulary and terminology. So we, saw, we said lexicon, lexicon, that would be, we need to have those as base uh, part of the base of the words. Then... Uh, this was a time where alphabetical ranking really mattered because whether you were in the yellow pages or whether you were listed at a conference, uh, the first two letters of the alphabet, you were going to get more attention because you were going to be one of the first few on the list. So we said, Alexicum, Alexicon. Um, and that, that, that was sort of the first instance. And I said, how can we shorten that and make it a bit more? Uh, a bit more concise because you also don't want something too long. Translations in itself is a very long word. So you feel like you need the first word for it to be a bit more succinct. So that's where Alexa came from. And then we tested in different languages to make sure it didn't mean anything offensive. It was easy to remember. Uh, It was easy for people to say uh, again from different cultures and different languages being the business we're in. And so it was a, it was a iterative process over a few months. Uh, so we called it Lexa translations. We filed a trademark for it. And along with it, breaking the language barrier, which was really the intention all along. We wanted something that said, what, are, what is what is the one mantra? What is something that we're always going to commit to doing? And breaking the language barrier was the critical component of it. If you could distill it in, in a few words, breaking the language barrier was the best
0: way to say. It. That's great. And it makes a lot of sense, as uh, as you mentioned. And since we're in the on the topic of names and our origins, you know, the, the firing on all syllables also makes a lot of sense as we're, uh, you know, a translation company, uh, you know, and and some of the folks that we're going to be interviewing, of course, uh, are very influential folks that do have, uh, you know, our firing on all cylinders, but, uh, you know, the syllables uh, language play with, uh, with language makes a lot of sense. And we will have a little section later where we go a little uh, further into uh, more about the language side of the business, uh, from that concept. Um, but before I, before I go there, um, maybe another question is just, uh, and I think we maybe alluded to it, but maybe we can give a more clear answer around why does the world need another podcast, uh, at all? There's thousands, if not millions, uh, of them out there. Uh, what do you see as the value for this podcast?
1: I listen to podcasts a lot personally, uh, so and there's thousands of options out there, but I tend to have some affinity to things, areas I'm interested in, topics I'm interested in, authors that I'm interested in. So part of what we're looking to cater to here is we know the industries we play in and some of the individuals we work with. And I've personally learned a lot from a lot of the people that we will be interviewing uh, over the next few months. And uh, the learnings from them, uh, to package them in a way that could be consumed in a a sort of more mass consumed, uh, it would really be a pity to not capture some of the learnings from key leaders in the industry and say, hey, here they are for everyone else to also know. And there are many individuals uh, in our communities that we... Uh, sometimes there are people that want to meet them and have an opportunity to talk to them but not always very easy to get to, to speak with them. So partially because they're very busy not necessarily because they're not accessible. So what better way to learn more about them, what they've done, what they've accomplished than to actually be in a webcast with them and on a pet podcast rather sorry i've done i've done a lot of webcast recently so terminology is getting uh, my terminology is is getting a little mixed up but the the context very much is provide that accessibility let's get the gems that uh, have been accumulated over time uh, with the learnings from from all these various people and no matter how much we know uh, we the one thing I've learned to date is that uh, I realized uh, how, how little I've known uh, when you talk to some, some of these accomplished people that, that you speak to and how much there is to learn from each one of them. It,
0: re- it really is invaluable. And I have seen the guest list uh, as I've been helping to assemble it. And really, these are incredible folks that we're going to be uh, talking to and just getting to know uh similar to what we're doing now, uh, but but there's so many probably nuggets that we can uh, take away from them, uh, life lessons and otherwise business lessons, of course. Um, so I'm really looking forward uh, to hearing those uh, talks as well. Um, maybe a related question is, <laughs> again, for people that know you, uh, everyone knows, how, how do you get to know so many people? What is your secret in, uh, maybe it's a, a networking question, but Maybe it's even more broad than that. I think uh, people—it's uh, just such a broad network. Is there any tip or trick or secret that you have to, uh, or is it just the the grind of and the hustle of getting out there and meeting with people?
1: I think it's it's a genuine desire to to go meet people and really caring for who they really are and and uh, what they like, what they focus on, and. Uh, obviously building a business, the, the networking became a critical component of it because you could have the best product in the world. And I say this all the time, people don't know about it. It doesn't matter how good your product is. So you really need to let the world know of what you have and what you're working out there. But in the process, you are meeting really good people. And as long as you genuinely care about people, it's not just a selling exercise. You can truly develop uh, meaningful relationships. And that's been a very something very important for me because no matter what you do, this is your social capital. The people you're meeting are very important to your future and what you end up doing, uh, whether you continue in the same industry or, or uh, in a, with the same organization, etc. So when people ask me, especially uh, young people in university or, or just starting university, what to do, I tell them, be relentlessly curious. Always try to learn about people, what they've done, about different things that you have an interest in. And that is that was a big driver around it. Something else that is also very important to me, and it is critical to who I am, was the giving back to the community. So a lot of the not-for-profits, a lot of the boards I've joined, uh, charitable boards. Um, so this, uh, while you're actually giving back in the community, you're also meeting some great people in the process. And it's you know we often forget that while we're giving back, there's a lot we get out of it as well. Personal satisfaction, but as well, you're surrounded by like-minded people that truly care about their own communities, and as a result, you have that in common as you're building up this this uh, organizations that you're getting involved with and volunteering in some capacity.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. That kind of segues into another question that I had as well around. Uh, I mean, maybe it's a broader question around. You know business tips and, and advice that that you could share but like you know they being relentlessly curious i think is just good general advice um, as well as uh you know the getting involved with not-for-profits or other associations maybe in the industry uh is there anything else maybe you can think of and i know these are broad but um just in terms of tips or advice you might have for our uh, listeners when it, whether it comes to business or you know networking Things that you can think of uh, <laughs> off the top of your head?
1: No, for sure. And and uh, whenever I get asked, I always say find good mentors um, and uh, people you'd really love to learn from. And even though sometimes you'd say, well, I'd, learn, I'd like to learn from Mark, for example, but I don't know that Mark will make time for me. You'll be surprised how often people are open-minded to it. If you tell them, look, I'd love to once a quarter buy you a coffee and really ask this question, or even to virtual chat, whichever is easier for you, half an hour, an hour, whatever you can spare. It's rare that people will be flattered that you ask them, and and, uh, it's rare that they'll say, you know what, I'm so busy, I don't have time for you. And if that happens, you're right back where you started. (laughs) So the worst situation is that uh, you are, you were exactly in the same uh, uh, situation you were before this happened. So uh, the worst-case scenario is, is not so bad. And if you identify a few key mentors that you could go afterwards uh, and say, look, here's three that I'd ideally like to learn from, and you could have all three if they all three say yes, but even one works just as well. You'd be surprised how often people say yes. It's something I learned early on at a leadership conference and saying, go get mentors and up to five mentors. And the, the rationale behind it is you can learn different skills from different people, different people do, uh, are, are known for different areas of expertise or different habits. And uh, so don't be shy, learn from, from people. And it's also a level of humility. So to, to ask for that help and to ask uh, to be open minded about that also says, look, I don't know everything. There's always room I can learn from. And um, I mentioned Al earlier, who is uh, uh, one of my mentors and that I spend the most time with in, in an organized fashion. And every time I talk to him, and we've been talking for over, over two years, there's uh, nuggets that I, I get out of it, and I'm always taking notes. And uh, I mentioned humility in the process, but I think being, uh, no matter what you achieve in life, having a level of humility is is extremely important. Um, and and it's something that that uh, I always try to focus on myself, make sure that the humility is always there. So again, to practice what, what we preach and, and making sure that at a personal level we embody it. So whether this is being accessible to my own team at every level. So to everyone in the organization saying, I'm happy to talk to you and, and I'll always make time for you if you want to talk to me uh, across the board as well. So when people do ask me for mentorship, that I also practice what I preach. But to also say, you know, to, to it's shocking sometimes how much you can learn from people that you didn't expect just by actually being open-minded, being curious, asking questions. Um, and you hear a lot from from very famous people that say, listen more than, than you speak. And uh, being a social person, that's very hard for me. But that is, it's such an important skill that uh, there are a lot of people you can learn a lot from. And uh, I remember sort of, graduating uh, from university and you wanted to show off what you've learned and be like, Oh, and I read this article on this and your, your opinion is changing like the wind because you're learning, you're still learning and, and you don't have solidified opinions because your information is relatively limited. And then you talk to people that have been around and has seen a few more things than you. And you're like, okay, there is more substance that I need to keep accumulating. So uh, always be, be humble, uh, always learn and always ask for help and mentorship. That's great.
0: Yeah. Just to to echo that too. I think that, you know, asking is so, so important, as you mentioned, just, just the first step of just asking for the mentorship is great. I also received the same, uh, you know, tip about, you know, almost like have your own informal board of advisors, your own, you know, not just one mentor, but look for, for several, for all the reasons you mentioned, it's just different opinions and different ideas. So you'll be probably more robust, Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, uh, as a person, as a result. And I love the last point too, you know, humility is so, is so important. So um, uh, all great tips and advice as well. Um, To that end. Sorry. uh, Just before you go to the next one, I
1: know I talked about it earlier, but certainly giving back, like always making some time for giving back. um, It'll do a lot for you in the process while you're helping others. And I promise you this, it's, I' talked about the project in South Africa and continue to be involved with uh, whether it's the board of Junior achievement that I'm very passionate about with financial literacy and entrepreneurship for, for youth. Uh, these are things that I can the, the, at a personal level, I get a lot of satisfaction from uh, in terms of seeing the advancements that youth can have with, with that level of effort. but also the people that uh, we surround ourselves with while doing that work will, do, uh,
0: will really help you grow as a person. That's a great point. That's a great addition. Just one, maybe question around. Uh, so good advice, of course, but uh, I'm sure you've uh, faltered in places along the way. You've made some missteps. Maybe what's, you could share with the, you know, the audience, like what's one mistake or, or more that, uh, that you learned from uh, just, you know, in, in hopes that maybe we can prevent somebody else from, you know having the same uh, misstep or misfire
1: uh, where do i start to mark the amount of mistakes <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, and and you know i, I will tell you is uh, a friend of mine uh, investment banker said to me once don't c- confuse activity for progress so uh, it's be strategic about what you do um, so obviously you know trying to build a business i was trying to be everywhere meet everybody etc But i always kept in the back of my mind don't confuse connectivity with progress so obviously always do always be busy doing what you need to be doing but need to be doing this so doing the right things is just as important so being smart about the activities and where you focus your time you only have so much time so you need to make sure it's dedicated to the right activities the right people and not throw it freely and especially to younger people that may be listening to this uh, they have more time in their hands so please go out there and do different things, we can experience different things. But as you're learning the process, then try to be more selective with the areas you enjoy more and you get the most out of it. So that's an important part. Uh, the the second learning, and again, mistakes I did, as growing the organization, we had some really good people. We were very fortunate to have some really good people at Alexa over the years. And I've seen my evolution as a leader and, and a lot of mistakes I made early on with team members, etc when you get caught up in the trying to build a business and moving on to the next thing, et cetera, sometimes you don't stop to say, look, let's think of our people and, and are they getting what they need out of it? Are they growing? And, and to always really think about um, making sure they're taking care of in the process, because ultimately they're representing you in front of your client base. They're helping build your products, your services. So you have to care about them. And it was one of those things that, that had to be a balancing act and I've made my share of mistakes along the way, and uh, uh, to to uh, it, there were many situations I would do differently in, in uh, over time. And the key is to to learn from them. Uh, you can't undo the past. You I mean you should not certainly you to the extent that there were mistakes. You can it's never too late to say sorry and and apologize. But the key is to learn and make sure that you're growing as an individual, as a leader, as a colleague. Uh, you know regardless of your circumstances
0: such as on your earlier points you know about humility too even just to be able to uh to go back to those people with that humility and like you said apologize if necessary where necessary um so that makes a lot of sense uh as well and humans just in general you know are, it's always a, a challenging dynamic you know everybody has off days on days and sometimes off months or you know there's uh, periods of time that is just challenging in people's lives so uh that's great. Maybe just to shift gears a little bit um, in terms of uh, one thing we didn't really touch on, aside from our own technology at Alexa, I was curious about other than Alexa translations, AI. what, uh, what kind of tools or software do you like? What tools help you do your job? Uh, if any, you know, are there ones that kind of stand out? Um, just curious from a tech- techie, you know, putting my techie hat on, uh, what tools do you use?
1: you know it, it is funny being in a, in the technology space I've been relatively simplistic uh, in, in terms of the the uh, tools but I'm glued to my phone so a variety of apps that I use for, for productivity and and from uh, uh, and also the from, from keeping track of the, the activities so anything as simple as an app for tasks like so that you can prioritize tasks and say here's what I need to do today and here's what's nice to do um, having uh, any tools that are actually uh, consistently measuring e- or your productivity in a certain areas. So um, I wanted to send out this many emails, et cetera, having some uh, metrics around it. So, and, and the reason why I'm not being very specific as to which ones, it's obviously there's so many out there that it's more conceptually what types of tools are useful than endorsing a particular one. Yeah, yeah. Not that I have an issue <laughs>
0: with endorsing. No, no, I mean, we don't, you know, we're not getting any kickbacks from any of these. Uh, <laughs> That's right. But, uh, but uh, just curious. Uh, and, and you know, I think the productivity piece is, is important. And, you know, even even just maybe this is another question is just around, you know, scheduling your time as a CEO. And this might be a great question for all of our other guests, too, is how do you manage the, all the multitude of uh, I mean, there's people that, you know, internally that we need to meet with clients that we have to meet with. Um, and then your other obligations, you know, strategy meetings and all of those things. Do you have any tips or tricks for, um, is there any, I don't know if there's a magic bullet, but do you have any tips or tricks for how to be, you know, efficient with your time?
1: Yeah. So, uh, you know, speaking of humility, Mark, uh, still learning on that. <laughs> I haven't found the perfect, uh, the perfect, uh, ratio just yet, but, uh, I, the, uh tying it to our, our fanatical, uh, commitment to service and quality, um, I'm always always make time and, and sure to respond in quick fashion to our clients uh, externally and internally. And when I say clients internally, I mean colleagues within the organization. So um, that is an important part of it, which means you're finding a lot of time pockets in between meetings so you could actually stay on top of the correspondence. Uh, and at the same time, uh, I am one that uh, likes to move things along as fast as I can. So. Uh, I'm getting emails now when people say oh well, let's meet in the new year and I'm like the new year is six weeks from now can we just can we find a pocket here you know can we so I'm, I'm keen to fill the days as much as possible which doesn't isn't always uh, optimal for, for a lot of things you need to do uh, I like to take the weekends largely off so other than small things I it's the time to reflect and for me to really think what are what are things I could be doing better? sort of a little less uh, focused and when our mind wanders is often when we can be the most creative uh, as leaders we have to uh, not not as just leaders some, any, in, in any position you're in thinking creatively, thinking a bit out of the box, reflecting on what you're doing can be very important um, so I'll do evening walks or, or weekends and that's sort of the time to really think and also uh, tying into your question earlier so that's when I'll do a lot of the uh, podcasts and the, the audiobooks, which for me really got my, uh, I can't say reading levels up, but listening levels up or being able to go through books because I'd have sometimes such long days when I would read a book before bed, I wasn't making it very far before I would actually go to bed. So books I would enjoy, I wouldn't, I wasn't getting through them quickly enough. And, and the actual audiobooks and podcasts really helped with that. But in the process, it's giving you an opportunity where You're just walking and sort of there's something that you're listening to, but it still gives your mind an opportunity to wander. And you need that. You need that for a variety of areas because the week, sometimes it's inevitable. You need to make time for your clients, for your team um, to make sure that they're nurtured. And, And some of your time is inevitable to do that. But then you still need the time to really think big picture. And that's where finding those pockets is important. That's great.
0: One final question and then we'll shift gears uh, once more, but uh, so similar to the techie question about what kind of tools or software you like, what kind of companies or brands do you like? And when I say brands doesn't have to be, you know, their logo or something, but more so their, what they represent, uh, you know, who's doing it right. Uh, And if you don't want to name names on that one too, that's fine. Just maybe conceptually, you know, curious about who... Uh, you're looking at when you're looking at companies and brands that are doing it right in the marketplace?
1: So uh, I'm a sucker for brands that are really uh, listening to their customers and adjusting it. So it's not here's what we wanted to roll out and here's what you're going to get, but rather roll this out. We noticed that people like this segment of it. So you are right. You are the client. This you are. We are going to adapt to what you need, not what we thought you need. Um, and that's really, uh, to me, it's, it's uh, the products I use, the, the um, sort of everything I like where is is organizations uh, and companies that build their products and their services in the, op- in the best way to, to get it done. So to the extent I can afford the, the, the products that they make, uh, really the ones that are focused on the delivery and, and the quality of their uh, products and services. Um, so if it is my computer it's going to be you know what is one that makes my life easy not every time there's an error here you have to do this like what's going to make my life easy but same thing with my phone my my uh, uh, the clothing it's you know shoes etc like it's everything is are you in the business of making this is this what you're good at making Then this is the, what i want to focus on
0: Awesome. Yeah. So client client first, it sounds like, uh, which is also, I guess, our philosophy too uh, at Alexa or customer first, maybe. Um, uh, but that's great. And uh, so I think what I'll do now, this was a bit of a surprise, but I wanted to test this out on our first uh, podcast and we'll see how it goes. Maybe we use it on future ones, maybe not, but uh, for the firing on all syllables podcast, we were thinking of doing a few rapid fire questions. Um, so these will be, you know, possibly one word answers, but, uh, but I'll just go through these real quick and you give me the first thing that comes to your mind. What's your favorite word? Love. Awesome. And what word do you hate?
1: Hate. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice. Uh, what word do you have sorry, a hard time?
1: <laughs> sorry, I want to give context to that. It, no. It's uh, w- you know the this is hate, vengeance, etc. It's something that takes a lot of energy out. Whether you're driving and somebody pisses you off on the road, uh, mm-hmm. I'm a, in my approach. I, I'm, I'm fascinated with Stoics and the philosophical movement, and one of their main sayings is, "We can't control what happens to us, but we can control how we react to it." Mm-hmm. So. Uh, the the i could say so hate in that sense because it, it is that but i would say self-control if i were to to be a bit more uh, strategic about it
0: yeah yeah that's great uh what word do you have a hard time pronouncing
1: oh well i'll <laughs> give you some funny stories here and this is not exclusive to me but i'll tell you as an eastern european uh, I had a when I first moved to Canada, I had a hard time saying the difference between beach and bit. You know, <laughs> the word beach be, it would often become a, a complicated word for me, <laughs> and sometimes get me in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and and I know it's not it wasn't exclusive to me, but it does get immigrants in the trouble. Uh, the word colonel, um, so I used to pronounce it very phonetically, colonel. You know, So uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. which it's a little cumbersome when you try to say it phonetically and colonel is a far easier way to say it but uh, um, i remember when i was corrected on that one being like oh thank you that made my life a lot easier
0: the english language definitely has some doozies uh, doozies probably one of, unto itself but uh but yeah there's a lot of interesting uh, difficult words for sure for pronunciation um, these were
1: not even particularly difficult but that's the, that's what's interesting like you know lengthy complex words I didn't necessarily have issues with it's sometimes it was, it was accent driven or exposure driven and
0: yeah.
1: I used to also have a funny way to say the word focus which is also something that okay. I can sometimes struggle with but yet here we are I've learned
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice I feel like there's even more stories we can get into with those but um, Absolutely.
1: what oh, uh, Sorry, Mark, if you'll indulge me one more thing. So uh, before my English skills are uh, what they are today. So now I can get by with English fine. But in the early days when I was learning English, uh, I used to listen to a lot of music in English and make my own sort of interpretation of what they were saying. and there's a an, uh, song from the 90s about Old Night Long, and me calling it Old Nylon, like the material nylon. So I'm like, <laughs> Old Nylon, of course. Why wouldn't there be a song about Old Nylon?
0: <laughs> I feel like there's probably some websites we can link to after with misheard lyrics. Uh, you know, there's a bunch of those. Uh, that's great. A um, couple more quick ones. Just uh, what's your favorite word in another language?
1: Uh, you know, the the... There's a word in Arabic where, where you refer to somebody with love, habibi, which is, it's, it's the, and it's the Arabic, by the way, is not a language I speak well. In fact, it's, it's very superficial, but it's, it's the word we're endearing, uh, in India, Pakistan, they use this word pie to refer to, to somebody as, as brother, etc. And there, there's obviously different language like that. It's a very loving and, and respectful way to, to approach it. And I just find, we need more of that in, in our lives?
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. And very bubbly yeah, Habibi, you know, it's got that bouncy.
1: Well, energy. that's it. That's it. I, I mean, there, how many Arabic songs have you heard that have the word Habibi in it? I think there's a reason behind it. I'm not, it's not exclusive to me.
0: <laughs> very musical. Yeah, that's wonderful. Um, and then how many languages can you speak?
1: Ah, uh, uh, well, the, the uh, uh, you know, the, uh, because I had a hard time uh, narrowing the number of languages, uh, which language uh, I was going to say bailando uh, or the the Spanish word for dancing. is also keen on. I've always enjoyed dancing and uh, did even classical dancing for many years. So the, the, but to get back to your language, to, to the number of languages. So I mentioned earlier this story, but starting with Greek and then going to Italian and English. And then I started learning some German, then some French, some Spanish, dabbled into Arabic. Uh, So, Needless to say, obviously Albanian is my native language. Um, so, needless to say, it's hard to be fluent in all of the languages. But I, I would get by at a basic level in, in this in these languages. And it is uh, you know, what you learn is exposure is critical, and, and to be in touch with all of them at the same time is is challenging.
0: So it sounds like about about a dozen or
1: so. No, oh, no, no, it's more like eight. Oh, <laughs>
0: that's amazing that's amazing i mean two is amazing never mind uh, eight so that's that's wonderful very uh, basic
1: uh, and as i always say i don't do any of our translation if i did our translation we'd be out of business
0: <laughs> it's been years since i do translation myself but but conversational in all of those uh, absolutely yeah that's wonderful um and then finally one word to describe yourself
1: Oh, this no, you know this, this is. Oh, I feel like this is one of those questions when politicians are asked in front of the, the on TV, and then they give a the really lengthy answer to try to get to something. But I would say resilience, uh, resilient, uh, resilient. Um, I think um, sort of throughout my upbringing and and uh, to to today, naturally, all our lives are not predictable. They're not always just following a perfect uh, example. It will always be deviations. It will always be things that don't go according to plan. And we talked about er, earlier about uh, the, the the importance of not control, self-control and, and how we can't control what happens to us, but how we react to things. So being resilient about it is it's very important because that's where we, what we can control is how we react, what we're doing, the persistence that comes with it. Yeah. So I would say resilient.
0: That's amazing. And I think that brings us perfectly full circle uh, from the beginning, as we started chatting about this resilience is so critical, whether you know it was from your upbringing to building the business to just day to day life. And it's such a great uh, attribute for people to have. So what a perfect way to close it off. Um, I want to thank you, Gary, for taking the time to chat today, to give us a bit more of a lens into your, you know, who you are, and you know what what the company is all about, and uh, what the podcast ultimately is going to be about. I'm actually very excited about the guests that we're going to have, and to pick their brains about their lives and their tips and tricks in uh, business and in life. So uh, thank you again so much for the chat today. Um, I just want to uh, remind everybody to uh, make sure to subscribe. Uh, if you'd like to get new episodes uh, coming at you in your inbox, we've got you covered. Uh, if you'd like to find where to do that, you can go to firingonallsyllables.ca. Thank you very much. You can find us on all the podcast uh, platforms as well, um, and uh, look forward to future future episodes. Thank you again, Gary.
1: Thanks for having me, Mark. I, I look forward to doing the the next few sessions. And uh, in the spirit of what I said earlier, if you want would like to connect with me, reach out. Connect with me on LinkedIn, send me a message, I promise I'll make the time to to connect with you. And uh, if you don't have LinkedIn, get LinkedIn, it'll be important.
0: (laughs) Excellent, thank you very much.